Cut. I was really ready for you to do a talking uh, heads bit. You may you ask said, yourself, how did I get in this rainforest cafe? <laughs> I was ready to let the days go by, Kyle. Well, I'm going to talk about eco-terrorism. Got too excited about jorts. I'm leaving now with my Roomba or your blood on my hands. I'm back. Back on my bullshit. What is meme if not airhorn persevering? No, this is... This is not a family show. And I quote, many American titties. Why'd you have to bring Dane Cook to this, Andrew? No one wanted that. Oh, you guys are not ready for what I've got today. And I've apparently hit the very end of my attention span. Give me like 30 seconds. I'm looking for rhymes. Hello, and welcome to Debate This, the show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. In this show, we take time out of our busy adult lives to talk about comic books, video games, and how the Super Mario movie trailer certainly looks like a movie. It sure does, Kyle. <laughs> it sure does look like a movie. If if we're gonna if we're gonna do uh, a good thing, bad thing sandwich, I think that movie looks really pretty. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, right, and... like it's colorful. It 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 captures the style of a Mario game. Yep. And then. Um... The 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 meat of the sandwich is Chris Pratt's Mario. Oh boy! Yeah, and then, and then my surprisingly similar to Emmett from the Lego Movie. <laughs> and then my my top top bread of my sandwich is um, Jack Black as Bowser. Nailed it. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, super fun. Yeah, I mean it's Illumination. Do I yeah. trust Illumination to do a good animated kids movie? Absolutely. There's no doubt yeah. in my mind that the movie will be. A, a movie of quality but like god chris pratt's mario man <laughs> yeah, it's true. just so everybody was like oh it's it's not even as bad as everybody's making it out to be and i'm like that's what you don't that's the problem right is it that if it was bad yeah. it would at least have character yeah mm-hmm. i don't know what i expected like i don't know if i would have been happier with a voice i certainly would have had something more to laugh at mm-hmm. it's like if Charlie Day went to college in New York City and came home for the holidays in his sophomore year. Like, that's how it sounds. <laughs> Charlie Day is in it. He's Luigi. I know. <laughs> and it, like, Chris, Chris Pratt's Mario sounds like Charlie Day doing a bad Brooklyn impression. <laughs> I can't wait to hear Charlie Day doing a bad Brooklyn impression. It, it'll, be, it'll be something. It will be. All right. So, bye now. If you are a longtime listener of Debate This, you know we take commissions for episode topics from our subscribers of the Master Debater tier over at patreon.com slash debate this. Check it out. What you may not know is that sometimes, if our poor patron is overwhelmed by choice, we have a reserve of topics that we are prepared to do a deep dive into at a moment's notice. Today we bring you one such episode. When mgrum57 had trouble picking from all the games in his nostalgia vault, I offered up some ideas of topics that I wanted to take a deeper look into, and he immediately took to one. Right in the cross point of 90s nostalgia, worldwide fads, and popular video games lies my favorite series, Pokemon. Oh, it's a Pokemon episode! It's a Pokemon episode! <laughs> <laughs> However, a flavor text on Pokemon seems pretty unnecessary at this point. It is the world's most popular media franchise. If you don't know anything about it by now, you're actively not trying to. No, today's episode is not about Pokemon as a whole, but the chokehold that it had on culture in the late 90s. Um, If you weren't alive during this period, it is hard to fully grasp how sudden and massive 
Pokemon came onto the scene. And if you are already of driving age when this happened, you might not understand why it took over like it did. So my goal today is to explain the phenomenon known as Pokemania and help everyone understand just how much of a cultural wave it was. You may ask yourself, what does this episode have to do with the Spooktacular Express? Well, there are ghost Pokemon, so deal with it. There aren't not. There aren't not. I'm just saying. There are probably Pokemon in the Rainforest Cafe. There are probably Pokemon in the Haunted Rainforest Cafe, yes. Ash Um, has died like a couple times. More than once. (laughs) That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you are unfamiliar with our annual Halloween event, the Spooktacular Express is our opportunity to fill the Debate This main feed with spooky content. It is also the best time of year to join our Patreon, because returning for the second year is our Spooktacular bonus. If If you join our Patreon between now and the end of October, we'll send you a sick Halloween Debate This tchotchke. We are also running what we call the Spooktacular Review-a-thon. Write a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or your podcast app of choice, and tag us in a screenshot on your favorite social media at DebateThisCast. We'll read the best reviews in a dumb spooky voice during the October ad breaks, and if we get 20 new reviews by the end of the month, We'll do a stream of Todd playing Doki Doki Literature Club at a to-be-determined date. You guys have to do this, please. Like, we don't ask for a lot on the show. <laughs> well, we do. We do ask for a lot, actually. Well, we, like, we really just ask for the same, like, two or three things every week. But We ask the same thing. This is, like, a new thing. Please do this because we've been trying to convince <laughs> Todd to play Doki Doki Literature Club for years. For years now. And I just, I just really want it to happen. It just really won it. The first spooky ad read was in last week's episode. If you're listening to this and didn't hear it, and you're like, will I get my time's worth the 60 seconds it will take me to write a review of this podcast? Go back and listen to last week's episode, and then, I don't know, you tell me. Maybe in a review of the podcast. That would be a great place to tell us about it. And we'll we'll probably do them after October since... Like we record these before if they come out, so you know, just do it. Just throw up a review and just let us know because, like, it's gonna happen. Like prolific American actor Shia LaBeouf once said in front of a green screen, "Just, just do, do it." it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I can't do this dive into Pokemania alone. That was such a good segue. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> So I am joined by Andrew, knows all the lyrics to the pokey rap Henderson, and Matt had his holographic Charizard stolen at recess coal to help me through this celebration of nostalgia. Gentlemen. Nobody ever stole my holographic Charizard card. I, my Charizard never got stolen, but my Blastoise did. I, mine, I tried to trick a kid, a younger <laughs> child, into trading me his heart, his Charizard, and then his dad took it back. Ooh, <laughs> you were the you were the bad kid on recess. Um, gentlemen, welcome. I was the older kid. Thank you. What are your experiences of the late '90s explosion of collectible monsters? Yeah, I mean, like my answer from before <laughs> when you sent us the poker app, and they're like, make sure to watch this. I don't need to make sure I've watched the poker app. I grew up in I grew up in the nineties. I was born in nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, I mean this was my jam, man. Like 
I got Pokemon Red for my 11th birthday or my 10th birthday. I was the same age as the Pokemon trainer, but when I got Pokemon <laughs> Red, this was my life for years. Uh, not just the obviously the games, but like you know, I I had like got all my parents and my grandparents to take me to every hobby store in the like Tri County, Western Pennsylvania area to find Japanese prints of Pokemon cards. Just like, just trying to get that misprint audit. <laughs> <laughs> There's a 100% Andrew that you and I were in the same New Dimensions comics at one point yeah. in our childhood lives. Absolutely, 100% true. Yeah, I, I mean, similar. I'm the young guy. I was born in 93, so I was a hair young for like the original release of Pokemon, but like I had a Game Boy Color. I got Pokemon Blue very early. And I had the guidebooks. I got Nintendo Power. I ordered the guidebooks. I used to have, you know, like I would sit on the couch and my mom would read me the guides to get through the ice levels and and shit like that. Like, (laughs) I loved the movies. I loved the show. Oh, baby. The show. And I was really into the trading cards. Like, I had a ton of them. I have. Did you play the game when you were. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We never played it. We only. I played the game with some neighbors, um, and then like we ended up getting more into Yu-Gi-Oh!, but I definitely did play the Pokemon trading card game, and I have a very specific childhood memory of calling my dad at work. Like I don't know if I was off school. It might have been over the summer or something, and my mom and I were at the mall, and I went to the previously mentioned New Dimension Comics. Actually... I probably went to EB Games because I think I bought most of my Pokemon cards from EB Games. And I bought a, a, a booster pack and I don't remember what was in it, but there was something in it that I remember needing to like call my dad at work about <laughs> on the way home. Like, dad, I got this card. I'm sure you don't give a shit, but you know, it happened. Um, yeah, I mean, same. I, pl- I got, I had an original like giant brick Game Boy. Um, we got a copy of Pokemon Red that we tried to share at first, my brother and I. Um, and then after he he erased my original file, we, we got a second copy of Blue and Ugh. two Game Boy Colors so we could each play. Um, so that was fine. I didn't make it far. I think I made it to Brock and then like had to restart. So like eight, like nine-year-old, ten-year-old me was real sad, but um, like in retrospect... I got over it. There was a kiosk at Kenwood Mall in Cincinnati that we would always make our mom go dre- go to and buy us at least one booster pack of cards when we went had to go shopping with her. Um, we watched the anime every morning before school, um, even when it looped like got through the original like sixty episodes that aired and looped back yeah. around. We were like, "Great, let's start it over." Here we go um, again. Yeah. <laughs> I have a very specific memory of being on vacation out here in Colorado, actually, and like having the realization like, oh, the time difference means my jet lag is going to let me wake up early enough to watch new episodes <laughs> of Pokemon. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Pokemon is very influential on in my life. It is my... My, still my favorite game series even though the more recent games have been less less entra- enchanting than the originals um 
and I'm very, very excited to do this. And I actually learned a good amount going through this that I didn't know. So, oh, um, that's sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. We're um, the way this is going to go is I'm going to kind of go through the the games from development to the release of Red and Blue in the United States. Uh, we'll take a break and then we'll talk about all the other things that spun out of the games after the break because that is also a thing. So here we go. Um, Pokemon was created in Japan by game developer Shitoshi Tajiri. And if I'm saying that wrong, Andrew, please correct me. Um, I think you're good. Okay. Satoshi Tajiri uh, grew up fascinated with two things, insects and video games. Um, he was a very like avid bug collector. He like loved just going out in his backyard and like seeing what bugs were there and like he had his like pinned collection of bugs that he It's very similar lore to the Miyamoto's like origin of Zelda. Oh yeah. 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 Very cool. Um, and his interest in video games was so high that he would frequently skip class and responsibility to go to the arcade to play. Um, so much so that his parents often called him a delinquent and like he, um, dropped out of high, he did not graduate from high school on time. He dropped out of high school, um, but did go back and get the like Japanese equivalent of the GED. After getting that certificate, he went to the Tokyo National College of Technology, where he got a two-year technical degree in electronics and computer science. From there, he started a small video game zine called Game Freak in 1981. Whoa, really? That's (laughs) so cool. It started as a zine? Yep. Damn, that's awesome. Um, He self-printed, self-published all of it. Let me see here. He published himself until 1986. Game Freak published mostly video game guides and Easter eggs for like arcade games uh, with the highest selling issue hitting about 10,000 copies sold. And it was a guide to getting the high score on an arcade game called Xevious. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's like devious with an X instead. (laughs) It is during this time printing the Game Freak zine that uh, Tajiri met and hired illustrator Ken Sujimori, who later created the popular illustrations of the first 150 Pokemon. Frustrated that so many of the games he was covering in Game Freak were bad, Tajiri figured the only (laughs) way to get the types of games that he wanted to play was to make them himself. Man, that rules. He was like, I need better content for my zine, so I'm going to make my own game. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, So he taught himself Family Basic, which is the the operating system that Famicom ran on, um, so that he could make his game for the Famicom. And in 1989, Game Freak converted into a video game development company, and Tajiri made his first game, Quinty. Uh, later released as Mendel Palace, which was published by Namco and Hudson Soft. That is so rad. Yeah. That's so rad. <laughs> so cool. And like, man, what a lot of work to like to make content for your zine to like create a company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just like, like it's got big like, I'll do it myself with Blackjack and <laughs> yep. Lickers vibe. Right. Like, it's crazy, man. It's so, so cool. cool. 
Um, I should also note that um, Tajiri would occasionally write articles for other publications as well under the name Game Freak. So Game Freak was like his zine and then like his okay. his like pen that. name um, moniker as well. Sure. So Tajiri first got the idea for Pokemon in 1990 after seeing the early capabilities of the Game Boy Link cable. It was actually his original inspiration. Um, being an avid insect collector, um, his co-workers at the time called him Dr. Bug because he was still so into collecting insects. He imagined bugs crawling across the link cable to play games with friends. Um, oh, so he's a weirdo, too. He's yeah. a little bit of a weirdo. I mean, you gotta be to like be like, <laughs> I'm gonna make my own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my sure, own yeah. Company. Yeah. The, the anecdote that I saw was like in 1990, most of what the link cable was used for was like playing Battle Tetris. And he was like, I don't want that. I want to trade collectibles with my friends. So thus... Tajiri pitched Pokemon to Nintendo. They did not fully understand what he was, like, trying to sell. They didn't get the full concept. But he had developed um, enough games at this point that they were like, you know, we think you've got it. We're going to give you a development deal. Go make Pokemon. Um, and they were... Like, oh, they were, God, we got the bug guy again. We got the bug, bug guy again. Back. They were all, I should, be, should note they were also interested in pushing forward the Link Cable technology. Um, like this is the beginning of multiplayer gaming. Um so or like home home multiplayer gaming. So they gave him the green light um mostly on again his resume and they wanted the link cable to be something bigger. Tajiri and Game Freak worked for 6 years on Pokémon and almost bankrupted the company in the process. There's some stories of like employees had to quit Tajiri had to like live with move back in with his dad and like not take a salary. Um, they were saved by an angel investor kind of in the 11th hour. But in February 1996, Pokemon Red version and Pokemon Green version were released in, in Japan. And the rest, as they say, was history. Except it almost wasn't. Wanting to take advantage of the link cable, Pokemon was developed for the Game Boy a system nearing the end of its life cycle. Um, at this point in 1996, it was seven years old. Um, it was being technologically outpaced by competing systems like the Sega Game Gear and the Atari Linux. Notoriously successful console. Very notoriously Atari successful Links. Yeah. <laughs> Links, yes. And early in Pokemon's life, media outlets, gaming outlets, wouldn't really cover it. Um, they were like, it's a Game Boy game. It's old technology, like... What what's the appeal here? But um, sales continued to climb to and the release of Pokemon Blue version and the launch of the Pokemon trading card game gave Pokemon the shot in the arm it needed to begin its ascension to the worldwide phenomenon it became. Pokemon Red and Green combined sold 1.04 million copies in 1996 in its first year and then 3.65 million in 1997, making it the highest selling game in Japan for 1997 over Final Fantasy VII. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it's an RPG. It's a, that series is never going to be a bestseller. Well, I mean, Pokemon is also an RPG. That's true. That's true. Um, by 19- it's got more mass appeal. 
by 1998, Pokemon had sold 10 million copies just in Japan, and we haven't cr- even crossed the Pacific Ocean yet. By 2000, following the release of gold and silver versions, the franchise will have generated over $4 billion in sales in Japan alone. Fuck. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. I mean, like, just for context, I think like when we talked about Fire Emblem, we were talking about, like, the franchise being saved by making one million copies nationwide. Yeah. Or, like, worldwide. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just, yeah. Like, the context of numbers, as it sounds, because it's Monopoly money after a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this is all just, like, on on that one island. Right. So, in October 1998, Pokemon Red and Blue were released in North America. They sold 200,000 copies in the first two weeks making it the fastest-selling Game Boy game ever, and then 4 million copies by the end by the end of 1998. So it sold 4 million copies in the three months that it was released in the U.S. It went on to be the best-selling game of 1999, selling 6.1 million copies in the United States. Um, in 2009, IGN declared Pokemon Red and Blue the best-selling RPG of all time. And in 2007, it made the Guinness Book of World Records for the best-selling video game that was not part of a, a bundle. Hmm. Wow. Question to you, Kyle. I don't know if you saw this. Mm-hmm. Where does Tetris lie? Because I always thought Tetris was the highest-selling Game Boy game. I did not see Tetris. Okay. Um, but I know it's... But like, to this, your point, this it, it w- gets, the numbers are weird because I know it, gets bundled, it got bundled a lot. So. Um, yeah. Tetris has this... Yeah, Tetris gets weird because also the rights of Tetris belong to the Soviet Union, technically. That's right. Uh, Correct. Because because the. And there isn't just like one version of Tetris. And there isn't just one version of Tetris, et cetera, et cetera. So Tetris gets a little wonky with numbers. Um, This quick Google search puts Tetris um, at number three on best selling video games under minecraft and the grand theft auto 5 but i don't know what version of tetris that is yeah that's fair um i'd like to see an n on that and like okay and like yeah. we yeah. sports is after tetris which was included in a bundle so yeah i blew through the background of the games quicker than i thought but we are going to take a quick break with that We're going to take a quick break when we'll come back and talk about the Pokemon trading card game and the anime. And now, a spooktacular express spooky review read. This review titled, The Real Winner is the Goose We Made Along the Way. Guy Fieri, Rami Malek, David Schwimmer walk into KK Sliders dive jazz bar. What's the punchline? I don't know. They don't know. But Andrew probably wrote a script for the two hour conversation they share about how they got roped into the Debate This Studio Cinematic Universe. I present you. This review titled, Untitled. One of the most fun 
Zombie Fighting in a Mall episodes I've ever listened to. The Spooktacular Express is off to a great start. Loved MC DJ MC as the host. <laughs> this has been a spooktacular express spooky review read. Okay, we're back. Um, we just did a quick run through of the history of the development and kind of success of the Pokemon, the first Pokemon games. However, two successful Pokemon games does not a mania make. So contributing to the success, the initial success, and again, global spread of Pokemon, um, were a couple other things. One of which is pretty adjacent to child gambling, and then a very fun <laughs> uh, cartoon. So let's... Let's get into my first loot box, the Pokemon trading card game. Yeah, boy, that's real. <laughs> um, the first edition of the Pokemon trading card game was released in October 1996 by Japanese publishing company Media Factory. Uh, following the growing success of Red and Green and to serve as additional promotion for the release of the blue version. I do have a question. I'm so sorry, Kyle. Yeah. Uh, I thought I knew this, but maybe I don't. Does blue not exist in Japan? It does. Is blue is blue U.S. only. Okay, so blue. It was, it was blue was a third. It was version. like a yellow in Japan. Like a yellow. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that I was. That was also something I learned new because I was under the assumption it was red and green, and then red and blue yeah. in the U.S. But blue yeah. came out. They they tweaked a handful of bugs from the initial red and green and then blue was what was ported into red and blue in the u.s ah okay yeah got it that makes sense yep so it's kind of like a version 1.1.1 1. 1. 1. yep yep okay um 102 original cards were included in the base set of the pokemon trading card game and included pokemon from the original roster of 150 as well as trainer cards that represented items locations and events from the game as well as seven energy cards that served as the game's main resource. Um, the game is largely modeled after Wizards of the Coast's Magic the Gathering. Uh, the game involves placing and battling Pokemon, attaching energy cards to those Pokemon to enable attacks, and evolution cards that represent the evolution mechanic from the Pokemon game and increase the power of your Pokemon. As Pokemon are knocked out, players choose one of their prize cards to add to their hand, um, a winner is declared when a poke when a player either has no Pokemon in their bench or on on the field, or when all of a player's prizes are drawn. Um, just a quick how it's played. You explained that like it was so easy and not complicated. It and I it know so there was complicated. there was no good resource to learn the game as a child until the Game Boy Pokemon Trading Card Game came out. And yes. finally, yeah. that's how I knew how to play it. Same. Yep. Yes. I got a VHS tape. I have no idea from where, but it was <laughs> from the official P 
Pokemon trading card league. Yeah. Because Andrew, I don't know if you remember this, but there was an official Pokemon gym, hard quotes on gym, in the mm-hmm. Pittsburgh airport in one of the terminals of oh, Pittsburgh I didn't Airport. Oh. Yeah. Um, and I don't I never I mean I never played Pokemon. I was like seven, but um yeah. I had a VHS that taught me how to play the trading card game. I had That's so funny. I had one for Magic the Gathering that came in like a starter deck of magic that like walked you through how to play the first five turns of magic. VHS bundles of like instructional VHS bundles is a very late nineties yeah. thing that is um, sure see also, is. see also those promo videos that you'd get with Nintendo Power. Yes. There's yeah there's gotta be like a black market for those 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 free promo VHSs. Similar, but but unre- but a little unrelated. Did either of you get the like promo VHS with like the Sunday paper of Yu-Gi-Oh that had like the first no. seven minutes of Yu-Gi-Oh? I don't no. think so. We sure did. <laughs> did you watch the hell out? We watched. I. I mean, I. I might have be imagining we watched it more than we did but i feel like yeah. we watched the hell out of it it was it was like what you know the the it was like seven minutes of lore for Yu-Gi-Oh yeah. with like the what the millennium puzzle and like exodia right, right, right. and then like if you if you remember it that means you probably watched it more than you were, think you did probably right it's like how i remember every word of the star fox 64 promotional <laughs> <video>. <laughs> But we digress. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1999, Wizards of the Coast published the first U.S. run of the Pokemon trading card game base, spe- base set, exposing millions of American children to their first loot box system. Wizards of the Coast reports that they sold over 400,000 packs of Pokemon cards in the first six weeks of U.S. Oh my release. God. I could not find any other sales data for... 1999 or 2000 to track like how it exploded but man if you were alive in those years you have a pokemon card whether you wanted it or not like they were everywhere this like if i as i recall this dethroned beanie babies dethroned beanie babies entirely yes it was the the other big 90s collectible that i bought way too many of In 2003, the Pokemon company bought back the publishing rights from Media Factory and Wizards of the Coast and began printing the cards themselves. The Pokemon trading card game still releases new sets quarterly, probably more than quarterly at this point. Um, With its most recent set, Sword and Shield Champion's Path, having come out just a few weeks ago at the end of September. September 25th, 2022 was the most recent Pokemon release. I have a question for you, Kyle. Yes. I seem to have a memory of Pokemon cards just kind of totally going away. Was there ever a period that the trading card game just kind of like ceased to exist? Or did it just fall out of the cultural zeitgeist that I existed in? I talk a little bit about that at the end. It never fully went away. You're probably, you are probably remembering the like transition period where like, Wizards of the Coast was no longer publishing it, and the Pokemon company hadn't had a release yet. 
So there sure. might have there probably was a gap at that time. I didn't see anything about it during my research. I didn't look too hard at the release dates during that time because um I have a job. But <laughs> um <laughs> but probably. Um and then I'll talk about the like seeming decline of Pokemania at the end here. Again, couldn't find a ton on like what caused it or what like what happened, but I have some I have some ideas. I have thoughts. Cool. So yeah, that's the Pokemon training card game. I want to do one of my favorite things to do in flavor texts, which is controversy. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> because it was such a huge, like everyone and their grandma knew Pokemon cards were a thing. Um, it sparked controversy um, at the time. So while like gachapon type games have a history in Japan and trading cards have a long history in, in the US with like sports cards and stuff, the explosion of Pokemon cards in the United States whipped up a bunch of panic for the parents of kids who were asked to spend four to five dollars a pop for 11 pieces of cardboard, whose collector's status made individual cards vary in value on the secondary market, which meant kids he- were heading, like, ki- nine, ten-year-old kids were heading off to school with pieces of paper that could potentially be worth triple digits. There were tons of reports of theft, exploitation, shady deals, destruction of property, etc., etc., that resulted in many schools and institutions at the time just to outright ban the cards from their premises. I think there was about a six-month window where I was allowed to bring my Pokemon cards to school. Yeah. And I had to yeah. sneak them to play, like, at the bus stop after that. And then the next year, they didn't care nearly as much. But There was something else to get concerned about. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was what prompted me and my friends to switch to Yu-Gi-Oh! Was, like, they sure. banned Pokemon cards somewhere around second or third grade. And... They never banned Yu-Gi-Oh cards, so we just started playing Yu-Gi-Oh. That's how I got into Magic, was Magic cards were not banned, and the teachers didn't care enough to, like, be like, yeah, don't bring those either. Like, it was just... Right. They they did, like, they, like, you you solved my puzzle, I guess you can play Magic. (laughs) Like... (laughs) You solved my Millennium puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this this really was, like, a, a gateway drug to... TCGs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, Pokemon is really just like a, a whitewashed version of magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really was. So is Yu Gi Oh! for that matter. So is Yu Gi Oh! Right. for that matter. Um, there was also a wave of sa- satanic panic surrounding the games and cards, again, sparked by the sudden popularity of this um, loot box system with kids. Um, in addition to. Th- fears that their kids were being exposed to gambling. As Pokemon gained more and more awareness, more evangelical Christian groups opposed their kids being exposed to these demonic foreign monsters with elemental and supernatural powers that evolve as a main mechanic. (laughs) Um, It was just like it was just like a checklist of things to scare evangelical Christian parents at the time. And Christian groups all over the U.S. called for a ban on the cards and games in the wake of their popularity and just had a general outrage at Pokemon. I think you said the Pee Wee Herman's phrase of the week there. <laughs> I would have said foreign. Yeah. Right, like, 
you know that's that's the real like not only was this foreign this was from a country that america at one time was at war with despite the fact that it had been 50 years yeah Yeah, right um, yeah Yeah. it was pretty bad it's kind of weird too because we've talked about on the podcast how much pokemon is just literal dog fighting there are certainly some very strange moral questions that pokemon can lead one to and that was never part of the panic no and like Peta has tried to whip up that panic in in years since but um no one ever bites that bait that they dangle out whenever a new pokemon game hits so they it never became a panic Peta did actually at one point release like a flash version parody of pokemon that like has the the battles being very bloody and gruesome as as an attempt to like be like see it's dog fighting this is bad and like it's PETA so they just got laughed at they're not wrong they're it's not wrong like and I'm all for animal rights but PETA is yeah. a PETA is a silly organization organization sure um yeah the other controversy I wanted to talk about surrounding the Pokemon trading card game is one of my favorite weird bits of Pokemon controversy. Um, so in November of 2000, the illusionist, the Israeli-British illusionist, Yuri Geller, filed a lawsuit against Nintendo, claiming that the Pokemon Kadabra was an unauthorized parody of his public image. Geller's brand at the time involved bending spoons and doing like telepathic cold reading tricks um and it did not help matters that the japanese name for um kadabra is yunger which sounds a lot like yuri yeah. geller especially with a thick sure with a thick israeli accent yeah geller also claimed that the original design for kadabra is anti-semitic in addition to uh stealing his his brand um with a star on its forehead being reminiscent of Jewish victims of the Holocaust being forced to wear the Star of David, and the zigzag patterns on its stomach resembling the symbol of the SS, the Nazi police force tasked with carrying out the genocide in Nazi Germany. Both of those symbols are actually taken off of a like popular type of like the cards used to like test psychic powers during the 60s. There were like these very specific images on those cards. Those icons were taken off of that, actually. However, it makes sense. I would also argue they also appear on Sneetches. So yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> like it's and a it, bit of a stretch. Yeah, I see what you're doing here, but it's yeah. a bit of a stretch. There, there is a, and we will get into this more with the anime. There is a history of you know Japan taking iconography from from <laughs> cultures it doesn't fully understand, and then being like, oh, that's that's actually racist. Um, but I'm willing to throw down that it was not the case here. And Yuri Geller saw an opportunity to, to get his name in the newspapers. I just dropped a picture of him in the notes. Yeah. As a result of this lawsuit, Kadabra did not appear in the trading card game or anime after 2003 and had its appearance altered in all future games going forward, removing the, the star and the zigzags or altering them enough that it, steered clear of this it made it really weird in the trading card game because they kept printing new versions of abra and alakazam the like 
bookended evolutions of Kadabra, the Pokemon, and had to work in ways that you could still play like Alakazam without evolving it from a Kadabra card that no one had anymore. Wow. It was, huh. yeah, yeah. So like from 2003 on, um, any Alakazam card could have just, was just played like a normal basic Pokemon card, not needing to evolve from anything. Wild. Yeah. However, in November of 2020, Yuri Geller dropped his ban on Kadabra, um, apologizing to fans of the Pokemon franchise and filmed, uh, released a video he filmed himself on, t- on his Twitter feed of him opening a bunch of like Kadabra merch that he supposedly like locked <laughs> locked in the indiana jones vault you know like oh my God. <laughs> so he uh he saw his star fading once again is like wait a minute i can do this again but in, in reverse so the trading card game and anime have since both included kadabra now that he has like lifted his ban on kadabra wow. the pokemon that's really funny yeah I remember reading about this for an episode that we did, and I don't remember which one it was, but I remember watching that video, and it is very strange. It's, it's very got strange. Some real, some real, I've slipped out of relevance and need to claw my way back in energy. Yeah, and it doesn't doesn't help that magicians are among like the weirdest group of entertainers as well, so it's just the vibes are all off in that video. It's weird. Let's talk about the anime. Pokemon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. here we go. So, on April 1st, 1997, Pokemon, an anime based loosely on the games, aired its first episode in Japan titled Pokemon I Choose You. Uh, the episode introduces us to Ash, Satoshi in Japan, named after the creator of Game Freak and Pokemon, um, a 10 year old aspiring Pokemon trainer on the day that he gets his first Pokemon. Um, His first Pokemon is the rebellious electric mouse Pokemon Pikachu. Um, Ash and Pikachu butt heads, with Ash often being the victim of Pikachu's electric shocks. Undeterred, Ash sets out on his Pokemon journey when he meets the not-yet-revealed gym leader Misty, whose bike he steals and later destroys through Pikachu uh, doing a powerful electric attack meant to save the pair from a flock of angry Spearow. We are also introduced to Jesse. James and their talking Meowth, a cat Pokemon, who make up the villainous Team Rocket who want to steal Pikachu to win favor with their boss after seeing its powerful attacks. The, the greatest cartoon villains ever created. The greatest Truly. cartoon villain of all time. This our, is where... Our bisexual gods, <laughs> our, Jesse and James. <laughs> our bisexual icons, Jesse and James. Uh, this is where Pokemania really kicks into high gear, guys. This is, this is what takes Pokemania through the stratosphere uh, beyond just being a game for children and also being a television franchise for children. The show is widely popular. After the first season airs in Japan, it is sold into syndication in the U.S. in September of 1998 and blows up spawning spawning merch and all kinds of new Pokemon fans after this. Um, it came out a month ahead of the release of Red and Blue in the U.S., um, as promotion for the games as well. And the anime solidified Pikachu as the mascot of the series and turning this 
demonic gambling game for children into the worldwide phenomenon it has become since. <laughs> it's really funny to see merch from before the anime came out because they didn't have a mascot picked. So you'd see yeah. Pokemon that like no one thinks about anymore front and center. Uh, my favorite example is like Poliwhirl. Um, the, the, the <laughs> yes, I have a lot of Poliwhirl toys. Yeah, Poliwhirl is like included in a lot of merch. There's a lot of weird trivia. I think wasn't Poliwhirl like one of the first ones they? It was Ken Sugimori created. It was an early one because it's based on frogs, yeah. and his first concept yeah. was bugs. So like that spun out of that. Another fun bit of trivia is that for a while, while concepting the anime, they were kicking around the idea of Clefairy being the mascot Pokemon. And having everything be pink. And because at the time, the most successful anime property was Hello Kitty. Hello Kitty is still a wildly popular anime property, but they were leaning into that like, oh, this anime for girls is wildly popular. Let's chase the female demographic here with with Clefairy. Uh, Mandrew put a, put a chunky Pikachu. I put, I put in fat Pikachu. I, original... Original Ken Sugimori Pikachu. He's it's Fat Pikachu, and I love him. Yes, and he looks like shit. <laughs> <laughs> this, so different. This is one of my favorite cards. Um, so I, I have not gotten back into the Pokemon card collecting. Thank God, my wallet can't handle that sort of thing. But I do still have my old cards, and I was very proud to have both the red cheeked and the yellow cheeked. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, great. The success of the anime spawned its own game, um, Pokemon Yellow version, um, was released in 1999, 1999 or 2000. I didn't include the date of Pokemon Yellow version's release, but it was a remake of the American uh, Pokemon Red and Blue versions with changes made to it to more closely resemble the anime. The player in Pokemon Yellow is no longer given a choice of their first Pokemon, but is given a Pikachu, complete with an early version of a happiness mechanic so that they can like win over this Pikachu's affection. Uh, sprites were changed to more accurately reflect the anime designs, and the Team Rocket plot in the game is altered to include a pair of grunts that look like Jesse and James from the anime. It's very fun. If you're gonna play a like first-gen Pokemon game, Play yellow. It's got a lot of the bugs worked out at this point, being the third version of the game. Is is there missing no in yellow, or did they patch They it patched out? out missing no. That is the one thing. Okay. The game is a massive hit in the U.S., um, leading to three more quote-unquote third versions included in future installments of the series with um, Crystal, Emerald, and Platinum. The show's popularity also led to the production of Pokemon the First Movie. And if I had to pinpoint a high water line for the for Pokemania, is probably the lead up to this movie or the lead up to Gold and Silver. Uh take your take your pick. It's around the same time. It's all the same wave, but one or the other. Turn of the millennium. Pokemon it is it is important to note Pokemon the First Movie is not the title of the 75 minute like feature film. Uh, Pokemon the first movie is the bundle of Mewtwo Strikes Back, the feature, the 75-minute feature film, and the short that played before it, Pikachu's Vacation. 
So if you see advertised Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back, that is the the first like feature length film, and then for the American release, they packaged it with that short to make Pokemon the first movie. That was the the big reveal of Pika Blue, aka Meryl. Meryl. It, <laughs> it, it included it included some Pokemon that had not been yet released in games, um, including Meryl and Donphan, uh, two yeah. two Pokemon that were we were very excited to see in the movie that ended up being kind of dog shit in the game. <laughs> kind of a wet fart. <laughs> Did either of you, A, see this movie opening weekend, and B, get the promotional Dragonite card that came with a ticket purchase opening weekend? Because Kyle. I did both. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I want to say yes, but I remember having the weird Burger King Mew card instead. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I also have hella Burger King Mew cards, but this was my first movie in theaters. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh-huh. So technically, technically, I believe that this is my sec, if I remember my Matt Cole history well, which I don't. But if I remember <laughs> correctly, this is my second movie in theaters. My first movie in theaters being a preschool field trip to watch et which i will remind you did not come out in my lifetime um sure but then yeah my first like actual new movie in theaters i'm pretty sure was pokemon the first movie yeah um and i love this movie to this day I Pikachu's vacation is fine, but Mewtwo Strikes Back is like <laughs> it's good. It's, it's good. good. It's a good animated movie. Yeah, it is a good animated movie, and I like my my favorite inspirational quote in life is the the Mewtwo quote. From this movie. <laughs> like it's I, it, this movie means a lot to me, probably more than it should, but I really love this movie. Yeah, it's it's a really good movie. Um, I I don't know why, but I we can cut this out, but I feel like I heard. I, it was something, some other piece of media where like somebody quotes the Mewtwo line and is like, was that a famous like writer yes. or something? Like, no, it's Mewtwo from I, Pokemon. I remember that story. It was like some, it was, I think a politician or an aspiring okay. politician. And they were like, what's yeah, a quote great. you live by? And they did that quote and they're like, oh, what? Who said that? Um, <laughs> yeah. the, the Pokemon Mewtwo. <laughs> Fucking motherfucking Mewtwo. <laughs> <laughs> so... Released in July 1998 in Japan and November 1999 in the United States, the movie was a massive, massive success, with the U.S. release being Warner Brothers' biggest animated film opening weekend ever. It is the highest-selling animated film um, put out by Warner Brothers still. Damn. Uh, Opening weekend. Opening weekend. Not highest-selling, but opening weekend. Um, It made... $12.8 $12.8 million in 12 days, even with an almost 60% drop-off in the second week. It was the only anime movie to have the number one box office spot ever until 2021's Demon Hunter movie, also released in theaters. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Other fun facts. The U.S. translation and localization. Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer. That's what I... That's what I meant yes whatever um sorry well we did that we did the episode on it i know the u.s translation and localization is hilariously bad um with 
Pokemon being <laughs> referred to by the wrong names. Uh, the the rice balls passed off as jelly donuts, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yeah. yeah. So good. Um, it was a rush job of a localization, and it, it shows. <laughs> um, in 2019, a CGI version of the movie res- was released called Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. It's an entirely 3D animated uh, remake of the movie. Interesting. Yeah. Is that not basically Detective Pikachu? It is similar to Detective Pikachu, but it's different. Because it's not Detective Pikachu, it's Mewtwo Strikes Back. <laughs> it's a different movie. <laughs> it's Ryan different Reynolds movie. isn't there, so you know. <laughs> no Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Um, I believe it's the the whole like cast from the original or close to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In June 1999, a soundtrack based on the anime was released called To Be a Master. Numeral 2, letter B, A, Master. Um, it From featured... your friends at number four, Word Kids <laughs> Entertainment. Yep, yep. <laughs> it featured songs from the anime as well as originals based on episodes of the series, including the full theme song and the full Pokemon rap that would play at the end of the U.S. Yeah. release on Kids WB. It sold over three million copies and hit number one on the Billboard Kids charts. Is there any bigger bummer phrase than the <laughs> Billboard Kids charts? <laughs> um, probably not, because I think the the if you're aiming for kids, you want to be number one on Radio Disney. I think is the yeah. the play there. Wow, I haven't thought about Radio Disney in a hot minute, Kyle. That just <laughs> activated something deep within me that I didn't like. I was thinking not even Radio Disney and like. Baby Shark. (laughs) (laughs) And with the anime brings a whole new controversy section. Um, So the big big controversy from the anime would have to be the episode with the Guinness Book of World Record for most photosensitive epileptic seizures caused by an episode of television. (laughs) this is my favorite one um what an award what an award (laughs) um episode 38 only with the japanese title electric warrior pokemon or porygon i'm sorry never aired in the united states after causing over 700 japanese viewers of varying ages to have light induced epileptic seizures following a four second sequence of pikachu shooting an electric blast at vaccine missiles um, Sorry, what? The, yeah. <laughs> what a sentence. The plot involves them like going into a computer, I think, and like there's they the computer thinks they're a virus, so it shoots antivirus missiles at them, and Pikachu electrocutes them. the The screen flashes, and 700 Japanese people had seizures. The episode has never aired outside of Japan. It is rumored that Four Kids has a English dub of the episode. However, uh, claims claims are of that are dubious. It was briefly included when the series hit, like I think Japanese Hulu. It was briefly like in the playlist, and then someone was like, "Oh, nope, can't do that," and then removed it from from Hulu uh, within the day. There is also an episode of the anime I forgot to look this up. I don't know the title um, that aired once in the United States and never again because a a grown man points a gun at, at points a real 
metal gun <laughs> at Ash's forehead um, in the Safari Zone episode of the, the series. That's buck wild as well. That's really funny. That is really nuts. The last controversy here is uh, the design of the Pokemon Jinx had to be altered after color was added to the design for the anime. Uh, while the original design was based off imagery from minstrel shows and racist depiction of African-descended people based on the illustrations in the children's book The Story of Little Black Sambo, Jinx's skin tone was not changed until it appeared in the anime. It was changed from black to purple following the airing of the episode Holiday Hijinks. If you have seen the Pokemon Jinx or Dragon Ball Z... You know why. It's not great. <laughs> yeah. Not great. Mr. Popo's purple now too, right? Or like dark purple? green? I don't like that, yeah. Same I same thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's it. That is my my recollection of Pokemania. Pokemania. Um there is of course way more to talk about that with Pokemon, Pokemania phenomenon. And we could be out here all day if we went through uh, the merchandise, the merch that came out around the same time, the oh, yeah. the plastic figurines, the the Pokedexes, the Game Boy peripherals that all spawned out of this. However, this show has to end, and it, those are all like symptoms of Pokemania, where I believe we just covered the three things that built Pokemania. One thing I was surprised to find, and Matt, you brought this up earlier, was that there was not a real, like, cause of the decline of Pokemania. Um, and it's possible that the fascination never ended. It is Pokemon is still the number one selling media franchise in the world. Um, it is still wildly successful. The games are always among Nintendo's best sellers, each release. All kinds of spin-off games. The anime is still going strong. The trading card game is still going strong. There's still a movie that comes out based from the anime like every other year. Um, those get theatrical releases from time to time. Pokemon is still huge. It is far from going away. If you show someone a picture of Pikachu, pick a random world citizen and show them Pikachu, odds are they'll know Pikachu or Pokemon. The best I can do here is guess at the decline. Um, based on my memory, the gold and silver, silver versions came out, and there was just like just a long enough gap before Ruby and Sapphire that most of our age group just kind of aged out of like being obsessed with the franchise of cute and powerful monsters. However, I also sp suspect, based on timing, and this is not a joke, that 9/11 uh, also like caused the decline of Pokemania. The culture just was shocked so hard by 9-11 that, like, it was hard for anyone um, older than an actual child to, like, be super into Pokemon because, like, we were worried about other things at, after that. Um, so... there We've talked about it before in the show. There was a very definitive point in time... There. Pretty much all life pre Guitar Hero versus post Guitar Hero. Yeah. Um. There. Yeah. Like, video gaming post Guitar Hero was very like RPGs just weren't very popular. Like there was a long there was a long period there where no one was really interested in doing RPGs. No one was really interested in Nintendo 
yeah games yeah like 2008 to like 2014 was like very much the like everyone was just into like shooters and yep keep keeping it gritty gritty and gray yeah like yep yeah and i think i do think that that might i mean the culture of like 9 11 definitely played into that and the culture the like cynicism of the mid 2000s mm-hmm. definitely played into that a lot there's a, there's a lot there and the 90s the 90s definitely ended on September 11th, 2001. Like that yeah. that yeah. was the beginning of the 2000s. Um so that that's like the 2020s were started with a with, a, with another disaster. Yep. Sure were. Can um, I venture some some reasons I think that Pokémon died? Sure. Uh, please. As, I, I'm I was hoping to find a a solid answer to this and did not. So this is going to be like added to my list of ongoing conspiracies to think about so please yeah so i was really like intimately aware of pokemon quote-unquote dying off because i really did like the pokemon trading card game and all of my friends got really into Yu-Gi-Oh! and like pokemon just wasn't really the thing to be into anymore and i think there were a couple of things that put it down the first of which I think was the Nintendo DS as a whole. I every yeah. single kid I knew had a Game Boy Advance, and basically everybody I knew my age had red, blue, or yellow, gold, mm-hmm. silver, or crystal, and ruby or sapphire. I had no friends that bought diamond or pearl, uh, and it was see I experienced slightly different because I definitely see the decline of pokemania happening happening before ruby and pearl or ruby and sapphire came out because my friend group i couldn't find anyone except me my brother and like our neighbor friends who we convinced to buy it to play ruby and sapphire but my whole senior class i was a senior in high school when diamond and pearl came out and like my whole friend group senior year got ds's just to play diamond and pearl now, part of that was we were 18 and had jobs and, like, disposable income. Yeah. And we're like, yay, Pokemon is back. But, like, I definitely saw the decline before Ruby and well, Sapphire. And I think that that's a really interesting look at the age difference between us. Because we've said it a bunch of times, Pokemon is a baby game for babies. And if you don't have that younger generation to, like, keep pumping yeah. dumping money into pokemon it goes away and like while your generation came back in for diamond and pearl my generation moved away to Yu-Gi-Oh and code yeah. lyoko and other yeah. toonami things Yu-Gi-Oh definitely was like skinned in that like mid 2000s like all the belts um aesthetic yeah. as well yeah. which i think a little more edgy, a little more edgy, yeah. a little more emo, which I think helped. The, yeah, the thing that I think we're we're all kind of collectively saying without saying is, Pokemon, Red and Blue and Gold and Silver, it was a it was like a culture, it was a thing, it was yeah. a cultural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ruby and Sapphire were really good games. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, it it went like everybody had Gold and Silver, everybody had Red and Blue. That was a kid at that time. People that had that followed Nintendo and and were still playing Nintendo games had Ruby and Sapphire. Mm-hmm. It was just a game. It was just a very popular game after Ruby and Sapphire. You know, through after the pandemic, it kind of, as things do, it made a full, you know, 360 because 
I would say now we've got like a brand new resurgence. And, and one of the th- like one of the things I wanted to cover off on was um, the phenomenon that like our generations now like live through this, and our generation's kids are going through a very similar phenomenon. And Pokemon is one of the few franchises maybe star wars maybe Mm -hmm. you know like i don't consider like general disney stuff like maybe like all your aladdins or whatever but like there aren't a lot of franchises that can can say this that like i grew up i and people my age grew up with pokemon their kids are now growing up with it and yeah i have been in a few situations i self i am ashamed to admit where i will hear a young child being like this is charmander and he does this and then like he's a he's a fire type he's not grass (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do not do not cite the deep magic to me which yeah, i was there yeah, do when not, it was do created. not recite the yeah. deep magic like a few times where i'll like whisper to my wife and be like he's, he's wrong it doesn't evolve into graphite i mean <laughs> anic- anecdotally the commissioner of this episode m grum 57 54 has a child and has done the like like crawl to your starter pokemon um mm-hmm. bit with their child like M. Grum is my age. He was my, you know, he's my class in college. Our birthdays were two weeks apart. Like, we're yeah. yeah. So you're you're spot on there. Um, Pokemon is definitely like circled back around. I think in the way like Star Wars did from like our boomer parents to our generation, yeah. Um, yeah. Pokemon is is that that bridge yeah. for a, for this. Yeah, yeah. I had one last question for you guys before we finished up. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for list of Pokemon video games, and I'm remembering all of the like wild side games that I had. And I've talked an awful lot about Pokemon Pinball 2 on this podcast, but <laughs> I just wanted to ask you guys like, what non-main series Pokemon video games did you have, and, and did they have as big of a an impact on your life is like Pokemon pinball two did for me, but also the Pokemon stadium series, Pokemon snap. Hey, you Pikachu. Like there are a lot of games yeah. in there. The the old ones definitely like when they, the first couple spinoffs, Pokemon stadium, definitely Kyle mentioned the TCG game. I had that one. Mm-hmm. The um, Pokemon snap. Um, I would say after the N64 era, cause then you're getting into like Pokemon Coliseum, which like I never really messed with. Um, I never got into like mystery dungeon and any of the other like handhelds. Yeah, so I guess like after the after the initial like red and blue era, maybe or gold silver era. Yeah. I didn't have a Nintendo 64, so I only got to play Snap and Stadium like at my friends who had it. And um that was caused by how much we played Pokemon. Um that was right at the time where like there, whenever we'd go over, their mom was like, "No, play outside. You cannot can't come in and play video games." So I, oh, lame. I know I didn't get to play so a ton. Lame. I didn't get to play a ton of Snap or Stadium. Um, I did have Coliseum, and I played a decent amount of that. Um, didn't super play the DS games, uh, the like non mainline DS games. Um, until more recently, I've loaded them up on an emulator and have played them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I played a lot of the trading card game. I played the trading card game again during the pandemic, and it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's real easy to cheese, which is which is cool. 
Um, yeah. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you, Kyle. Is there so like MC, Magic has MTG Arena, which is just like you mm-hmm. can just like it's a free you can play Magic without having to buy a bunch of cards. Does Pokemon have anything like that? Pokemon has a much more robust online thing. I believe it's also completely free. And either when you buy a physical card pack, you can scan in the... There's a promo card you can scan in and you get a free pack online. Or it's just all open, like build your deck, play the game go nuts i don't know exactly someone's gonna shout like no it's all you have to buy it all there too but last i checked it was actually one of the more like economic ways to play online but you have to i think you have to actually buy the physical cards to get that like deal to work out sure yeah that's probably good. I don't need to get really into the Pokemon trading card game. Again. No. I did no. pull down. This will do great on this audio podcast. Here's my stack of Pokemon N64 games, um, including the dual color Pokemon Stadium 2 cartridge. Nice. Which got a lot of playtime. But did any of you guys have or play Hey You Pikachu? Maybe I the worst game ever made for the N64. I didn't, and I wanted it so bad because I was... 10 at the time and didn't know it was the worst thing ever made for the n64 but i really wanted to tell my pikachu go watch tv and he'd do it man i tell you what i don't i think that's the problem he wouldn't (laughs) that was the problem is that this game was programmed in japanese and localization is a hell of a drug and so when you have oh is that why it's so bad Mm -hmm. they just didn't didn't patch in english uh voice recognition yeah, That's it's. Awesome. I don't know the whole ins and outs of it, but I do know that, like, I mean, obviously, you're using a microphone on an N64. Like, the voice rec- it was probably running on, like, Dragon 2000. It was not using yeah. anything good for voice recognition. But I do know that a big part of the reason that it is so bad is because it got chopped to bits in localization. And they were like, yeah, it's a game of the peripheral. It'll make money. And they shipped it out there anyway. Yep. Wow. Yep. Did either of you have the, like, Pikachu Tamagotchi? Hell yeah, I had the Pikachu Tamagotchi. (laughs) Goddamn right I did. It died, but I had it. I was so jealous that, like, I had talked my parents into getting me a regular Tamagotchi, and then the Pikachu one came out, and I was like, wait, I want that one. And they're like, no, you have a Tamagotchi. You're not getting another one. I was like, but this one's (laughs) Pikachu. And they're like, no. You're not getting it, and I was so salty that I'd never got my Pikachu Tamagotchi, but <laughs> it's okay because the uh, the remakes of Gold and Silver included a peripheral um, Pokewalker right. that right. was had yeah. a semi-Tamagotchi-ish function, and then I let my mom use it because she really wanted a, a pedometer, and then she dropped it down a storm drain in, in downtown <laughs> Cincinnati, so I don't have my Pokewalker anymore. Uh, either we've also done this whole pokemon episode and not talked about pokemon go which like if you want to talk about a a brief hit of the drug that was pokemania yes first eight Uh, months of pokemon go baby that's such a good point matt that was that if if you were aware of pokemon go and it's its influence that was the closest we've come to pokemania since uh 2003 like yeah 
man, the first weeks of Pokemon Go, like the joke, the joke is the closest we've ever come to achieving world peace. And <laughs> yeah, and yeah. man, well, it, it was a utopian society. Yeah, it's so true. My uh, my like dumb like humble brag is uh, I I was in the Pokemon Go beta because I just happened to be living in San Francisco at the time. Oh wow, which is where Niantic Wild. is. So yeah, so. I got to play Pokemon Go um, in the beta test when I just did it in San Francisco, um, which was so cool because I walked every day. Sure. So yeah. San Francisco's like, a great a, city to play Pokemon it's a, Go in. Objectively a great city, and no one else was playing it, so I was the gym leader at like three churches around my apartment. That's awesome. <laughs> but then, and so I played the shit out of it, but then when they did the initial, they did the full launch. It wiped that um, out. It wiped all the data, so I was just like, "Fuck this! I'm not doing this again." Because like I had my time in the sun, you know. Yeah. I had my two weeks yeah. to go. So yeah, that's awesome. That's so yeah. cool. My last bit is I wore. I definitely wore out my like official Nintendo Power Pokemon Red and Blue guide. Um, mm-hmm. wore just read through that like the Bible until it fell apart. Um, and I had the like Scholastic. Pokemon handbook and the updated Scholastic Pokemon handbook that um, came out after Mew was released as well. Um, and um, I did go to a mall to get Mew. I went to a mall I, I and waited ask, in line you, to get Mew. Did you ever get Mew legitimately? Yep. I, I never did. I, I sure did. Made drug my mom to the, my brother and I drug my poor mom to the mall on a like cold Saturday morning to wait in line and get a digital a digital creature put into our games and Man. she was she she loves us so much <laughs> she, she does love you especially when she because she dropped your poke walker in a storm mm-hmm. i will tell you that experience is significantly different when pokemon x and y came out um i was this was when i was living in san francisco i walked my ass my 27 year old ass <laughs> to a GameStop to the GameStop in the uh in the uh westfield mall and I took so I could get a card for a code yep. to get the legendary Pokemon from Gen Six. Yep. And and I I put that in my pocket and I said, what am I doing? With my <laughs> <laughs> I did a cup. I did a couple of those for Gen Five because that was like yeah. right around. I was I was getting out of college. I had I had Pokemon Black. I was like, oh, I can drive to GameStop and get the free code. I did a couple of those and I had a similar like. Yeah. I don't know if this is worth it. This is a lot of like. Yeah, it was honest to God. It was the second time of my life. The only other time was when I was with you at a Meyer when we were buying magic cards at three in the morning. Yeah, we did. We did do that. That also happened. Um, yeah, Matt, do you have any any poke of shame you want to share? Not See also Pokemon Pinball too. Yeah, I mean, not other than the fact that I still religiously play Pokemon Pinball 2. Um, no, I went as Ash for Halloween once. I went as um, Ash for Hall. I went oh. as Ash for Halloween as well. Yeah, yeah, that's I, awesome. Yeah, right. It's, yeah, it's objective. It's real cool. awesome. I had the hat, the hat with the symbol on it, but it's definitely child sized and definitely doesn't fit. Oh, I have an my, adult size one. My big ass head anymore. I wanted to. I'll I, mail it to you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had the Pokemon training or Pokemon Master. I don't remember. I had the board game. 
Uh, the board I game got a lot of play. Love okay. that board game. It's, it's a good board so game. So convoluted and and dumb, <laughs> sure is. and I love it. Yeah, I had Pokemon Monopoly too. That yeah, Pokemon Monopoly. That board game is like legitimately like one of the few things that's like completely different play experience from the games, but like also captures that feeling of like. I caught these like rare Pokemon and fought these hard gym leaders and won when you pull it off. Like it's, it's a good game. Um, Kyle, do you think uh, in this episode you could play us off with a selection from the Pokemon Christmas album? <laughs> the Christmas, the <laughs> Christmas album. <laughs> yep. I don't know if I know of the Christmas album. You don't know the Christmas album? Oh my man. It's good. You gonna learn today, boy. I was I was gonna play us off with the titular track from "To Be a Master." To be a master, um, which I think I'm is giving, great. What about I'm giving Santa a Pikachu for Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> Every Christmas Santa brings presents I think this is. God, this is so stupid. This is definitely the backswing of Pokemania. Yeah. The, this is, the album has like Gligar and Totodile, so it's yeah. definitely Yep. This is on the downslide. This is maybe one, this is why maybe this is why Pokemon died. <laughs> it might be. They might have just like like oversaturated with garbage. Um, I'm right. gonna say we can probably play this song. I will say right now, I will, <laughs> I will, uh, weigh my professional credibility that this will not get content. I think. please. No, I, I don't think so. Um, yeah, that is the voice actor who plays Professor Oak in the anime, as Professor Oak singing about a a I want a hippopotamus for Christmas esque song about yep, Pikachu. Yeah. Bad. Um, it's it's You're rough. If it's bad, it's bad. They're not wondering because we're playing it right now. This is playing <laughs> over us talking about how bad it is. All right, I think that's gonna do it for the Pokemania episode. We've been rambling for a while. Don't forget about our Spooktacular Express Patreon drive and the first ever Spooktacular Reviewathon. Write a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or your podcast app of choice, and tag us in a screenshot on your favorite social media at DebateThisCast. We will read the best reviews in a dumb, spooky voice during the October ad breaks, and join our Patreon at any tier to get a free Halloween-themed Debate This tchotchke sent directly to you in real life. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you for listening. I'm Kyle Harper. I'm Andrew Wiglet is Waluigi for Diglett Henderson. I didn't think of an outro. Damn it. Uh, That's my bit, Matt. (laughs) I'm Matt. You can't handle my girth, Cole. (laughs) And we're saying thanks for listening, and if you think we're wrong, you can come fight us behind the swing sets, nerds. Nerds.